Welcome to the Reality Check Podcast. I'm Zachary Phillips. So first up, I want to say a massive thank you to everyone who responded to my previous podcast where I shared basically the success, the growing success that I've been facing, as well as the um, su- the ways that you guys can support. I've had a bunch of people um, grab a copy of a book and donate and sign up to Patreon and that sort of stuff. So if that was you, thank you so much. I, I'm, I'm, I'm immensely grateful and humbled. Um, and I suppose as a continuation of that, what I've got for you today is another chapter of my book, How to Get Your Shit Together. As you know, I release everything I do for free over time. Um, so that's what you're going to hear very shortly will be one of the chapters from the book. I'll also put a link down below so you can read along with me. And if you like the book, if you like what you're hearing, the whole book is basically set out so that there's about 50 chapters and each chapter is standalone. So you can sort of read it in any order, but it's basically broken into a bunch of different sections. This this one comes from part two, which is defeat depression. And the topic is contemplate darkness. Now, the basic premise is this. When we're managing uh, our mental health and overcoming past trauma and you know, dealing with things that are sh- challenging, that we're struggling with, it's very easy to feel like we've we've got a bad lot in life. And, and chances are we do. But we can easily lose sight of the, the overall context of humanity. What I mean by that is, is, you know, I grew up with a deadbeat father who was a drug addict. I faced issues of neglect and trauma. However, I had a house to sleep in. I had access to running water. Now, there were times at my father's that food was a bit scarce and other things that weren't ideal, and it felt terrible at the time. But when compared to other people in other parts of the world or in other time frames, I was exceptionally lucky. You know, I, I wasn't in a war zone. I wasn't a refugee. I had people to look after me, even though they could have been doing a significantly better job. I faced trauma, but the trauma I faced wasn't to the anywhere near the level of extremes that are possible in the range of human experiences that were happening or that are happening. So in this chapter, I sort of break down the reality of the world and put it into context. But I just want to sort of highlight, and the chapter starts off with this with a similar highlight. It's basically, it's like, yes, I've gone through suffering. And, and, and a recognition that other people suffer worse doesn't stop your own suffering. But it can just help put it into a context. It can help you to realize that it could be worse. Does that mean that you accept and that you like and that you're happy with your current situation? No. Does it mean that you shouldn't take action? No, of course you should take action. Of course you should take the steps to, you know, protect yourself, to improve yourself, to, you know, make sure that the people that you've got responsibility over, your partner, your kids, that sort of stuff, are living the best life that you can provide. But knowing the darkness that is possible in the world, that has happened in the past, and that is happening now, does help you to see that, it it helps you to see the depths that things could get to. It's like getting a broken arm, falling over and breaking your arm is terrible. You wouldn't want that. 
but you would much prefer that to falling over and snapping your neck and becoming a quadriplegic, right? It sounds extreme, and this 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 sort of concept obviously is extreme, you know, contemplating darkness. But it's just to give us a little bit of detachment to step back, to look at the reality of our situation, and to pull us out of the absolute depths of despair by realizing that it could be worse, and that there are aspects to our lives through the crap that we're dealing with that is positive. I moved out of home quite young in year 10, around 15 to 16 years old, and I struggled. I lived off charity. I worked to, you know, worked during the time I was studying for my VCE, finishing off my high schooling experience, to be able to pay the rent, to be able to go to university. Now, you know, like I literally literally took how to cook classes, not because I didn't know how to cook, I did, but just to be able to eat the food for free afterwards. That's where I've come from. But I was able to take those classes. I was able to feed myself. I was able to finish my schooling and finish my university and subsequently benefit from that education. So at the time, it was, it very much felt like woe is me, but a knowledge that there are some positives in my life, a knowledge that it could be worse, allowed me to step back, to look at the situation and go, yep, okay, I'm going to make changes. I'm going to take steps to improve the situation, but I, I'm, you know, I, I can, I can survive this. Other people can and are and have survived far worse. So with all that in mind, I'm going to play for you the chapter Contemplate Darkness from my book, How to Get Your Shit Together. Enjoy. Chapter 2.1 Contemplate Darkness There is suffering in this world. To live is to suffer. Buddha There is no avoiding the fact that this chapter may come across as harsh to some listeners. It will contain some suggestions that if taken on face value may seem offensive, insulting or uninformed. If you feel this way, please do continue listening to the end of the chapter and I'll hopefully clarify my point adequately, as well as potentially give you another tool to combat depression. I wrote this chapter from experience, as the lessons contained within have been a massive component in handling my own battle with depression. I also want to make it clear that this chapter is just one part of a collection of tools that I use. If this tool was used on its own, it would be worse than ineffective. In fact, it would be completely counterproductive to my mental health. With the warning out of the way, let's dig deeply into the concept of contemplating darkness. Contemplating darkness involves exposing yourself to the entire range of human experience, both the good and the bad. This practice will help you to detach from your own life and enable you to take a more objective look at it, to see the problems that you have and compare them with the problems that other people face. By contemplating darkness, I now have a working knowledge of the true nature of human suffering. While this knowledge doesn't help me to reverse a depressive episode that's in full swing, it does provide me with increased levels of mental fortitude. The example of other people overcoming their challenges helps me to overcome my challenges. If they can do it, so can I. It's empowering. 
I almost didn't include this chapter due to the reaction that some of you may be having right now. It feels like I'm invalidating your suffering, or worse, not believing that you're in fact suffering much at all. Perhaps you feel like I have no right to suggest that your pain is any more or less than the pain of others, and that I clearly haven't felt the depths of the depression as you have. Or maybe you think that it's unfair to compare the symptoms of mental illnesses with the life circumstances of other people. It's like apples to oranges. These reactions are duly noted, but I must urge you to continue onwards. You can thank or condemn me when this chapter ends. To be clear, I'm not saying that knowing that other people are suffering will help you not to suffer. Rather, I'm saying that knowing the suffering of others and how they overcome that suffering will make you stronger. You'll still get depressed, the symptoms will still feel the same, but you will be a stronger person who is dealing with those symptoms. This is not in any way a cure or even a treatment of the symptoms of depression at all. In fact, I would suggest that this approach shouldn't be used when you're in the middle of a depressive episode, as it may negatively impact you. Investigating the terror of the world when you're already vulnerable is a terrible idea. I use the contemplation of darkness in a similar fashion as a gym workout. I do it when I'm in a good place, with the goal of making me stronger. Just as the gym makes my body more resilient to injury, contemplating darkness makes my mind more resilient to depression. Don't get me wrong, I still get depressed, but I'm not as easily triggered. I dwell less on the small things because I know just how small they really are. Contemplation time. I live in a first world country. I have access to hot running water, electricity, healthcare, refrigeration, internet, a bank account, an uncorrupted police force, fire and ambulance services, sewerage, waste systems and a functioning government. I don't live in immediate fear of terrorism, violence or disease. I don't need to worry about invasion or war in my hometown. I know where my home is and where my next meal will be. I have free speech and I'm basically free to do and be whatever I desire. Within reason, I can dress how I choose, date whomever I like and work in whatever career pathway I want. There is a safety net in place that will catch me if I fall. Even if I lose my limbs, my job, my family or even my mind, I'll be cared for by my society. The majority of the world's population is not so well off. According to the World Health Organization, one out of every seven people, that's 1.2 billion, are currently living in extreme poverty on less than $1 per day. The UNHCR survey has found that more than one in every 112 people, that's 65 million, are currently displaced due to the impact of war. Such large numbers can be hard to put into perspective. But it is clear that there is a significant amount of extreme suffering occurring. If you are hearing these words and are in a house with a light on, you are richer than the majority of the world. Being richer, of course, doesn't mean that you are happier or in a better mental state. However, it does mean that there will be significantly less stress placed upon you comparatively, and it is undeniable that stress leads to increases in mental afflictions. Money doesn't buy happiness, but it does reduce stress. The richer you are, the easier it will be to provide for yourself and for your family the necessities of life. You'll be more able to recover from a health crisis or an unexpected emergency. You'll be able to afford yourself more leisure time as well as access increasing amounts of medical treatments. Unfortunately, the approach that I described above is very broad. 
While statistics and facts can put your life into perspective, there is often little emotion attached to them. It's simply too hard to relate to numbers on a page. To overcome this issue, I've taken to learning about other cultures through direct travel, documentaries, as well as through reading the biographies and listening to the stories of other people. The more I expose myself to other possibilities of life, the more I can detach from the issues in my own. It enables me to put a human face on the statistics and to better connect with them. Reading about the struggles and accomplishments of others helps me to grow, and by talking about my own issues and past, it helps me to heal. This is mutually experienced by all parties involved. Sharing and hearing personal stories can be an exceptionally healing process. Being grateful. If I find myself becoming overly upset about something in the moment, I like to consider the things that I need to be grateful for in order for that thing to be happening in the first place. Let's say that you decided to stop at your favourite local cafe for a coffee and pie breakfast to be consumed on your way to work. It's not your usual barista serving, but a trainee who's clearly struggling to mend the machine. As you're ordering, you're interrupted by the clamour of the previous customer who was loudly informing the manager that their order was made incorrectly. A touch shaken, the new barista takes an exceptionally long time to make your order. It took so long, in fact, that you end up getting caught in peak hour traffic. As you enter the highway, you feel your frustration rising as your speed decreases. The sudden braking of a car up ahead causes you to need to do the same. Only, you forgot to secure your cup, and now you're dealing with a not-so-indiscreet spill on your pants. Looking at your watch, your anxiety begins to rise. You're running late. As the on-ramp approaches, you edge close to the car in front to block off the person attempting to merge. You begin to run through your mind what to say to your boss upon arrival. Should you call ahead to let them know, or risk it and hope the traffic will clear and you will arrive on time? No doubt that this situation would be quite stressful, but in this scenario, there is still so much to be grateful for. There is no war or famine impacting your country. You own and can afford a car that's running. You live in a country with road rules and developed infrastructure, even if there's always room for improvements, of course. You have a job. You are healthy enough to be driving and working. You live in a society that's healthy enough to support a peak hour traffic jam on the way to work. Coffee, sugar, and other goods that are sourced globally are easily and cheaply available. You get the point. If you're getting mentally afflicted by something, take the time to consider what had to go right for you in order to even have that problem in the first place. It won't stop the suffering, but it will help to put it into perspective, enabling you to better address it. Frequently Asked Questions Couldn't contemplating darkness cause or trigger depression? Most definitely. That is why I stress the importance of doing this exercise when you're in good place as a preventative measure for the future, rather than during an episode of mental affliction. You know yourself better than anyone, so if you feel like it would be too much for you, give it a miss. I can't move on from the concept that other people's suffering does nothing to change my own. All this exercise has done is to let me know that others also suffer. How can this possibly help me? It will help you by providing you with some detachment and perspective. For example, it will be terrible to break your thumb in an accident. It may impact your ability to perform a variety of activities as well as you used to. However, compared to a broken arm, it's a relatively mundane injury. What about compared to an amputated arm? What about compared to complete paralysis? 
Yes, those thoughts won't stop the pain of a broken thumb, or help your ability to perform as you once did. But they put the broken thumb into context. That context may help you to deal with the suffering that you must now endure. What if contemplating other people's suffering is very overwhelming for me, and actually one of the reasons why I am depressed? Always guard your mental state first. If you find yourself already dwelling on the suffering of others to such an extent that your mental state is negatively impacted, don't dig deeper. This is one of the main reasons that I stopped watching the news. I found that the constant barrage of negativity wasn't positive for my mental health. Only expose yourself to the things that you can handle and that are having an overall positive impact upon your mental state. Can you recommend some good resources that will help me to contemplate darkness? There are a couple. I would suggest The Hardcore History Podcast by Dan Carlin, The Jocko Podcast by Jocko Willink, and Sapiens by Yuval Noah Harari. Summary. By exposing yourself to the complete range of human experience, you can better put your own life into perspective. So that was a chapter from my book, How to Get Your Shit Together, called Contemplate Darkness. If you want to, you can read that chapter as well. I'll put the link down below. And from that link, you'll be able to see all the other chapters of How to Get Your Shit Together that are up already. If you like this, if you like that chapter, if you like the podcast and you want to support it, grab yourself a copy of How to Get Your Shit Together or potentially buy a copy and gift it as a friend. Yeah, it, it's one of the best ways to offer support is like, hey, check out this episode, check out this blog post. I've got you this book. When you're ready, take a read. And the idea is, is that you're putting the potential healing in the hands of someone else and saying, hey, you know, this is this is, this is is on you in the sense that all healing is on the person, on the individual that needs to heal, to heal. I had to take the effort myself. But having the open offer, having the resources, having the, 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 the lending of an ear, having someone to talk to and knowing that I could was always available. And one of the ways that you can get people to know that you are that safe person, that you are the person that can talk to, is to just start that conversation. Say, hey, you know, how you doing? How you doing, buddy? Hey, you know, do you need some assistance? Or, or I heard this podcast, or I read this blog, or here's a book. You know, check it out when you're ready. It's on this topic. It might help you. And if you want to talk about it, you can. And then you just step back, let the person choose when they're ready to take you up on the offer, to check out the blog post or the podcast, and then the conversation can start because if you push healing or push interventions on people, the success rate is quite low. So with that in mind, like I said, if you like the if you like the episode, the chapter that you just listened to, grab yourself a copy and it'll help me out. And check out all the other chapters that are up for free to make up your mind on that one. And and yeah, share this widely. I'll appreciate it. Thank you again. Cheers.